Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. We've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, trying to look at various angles For I believe the Holy Spirit is someone that we need to know about. And here in John chapter 1 verse 32, and John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, like a dove and abode upon him. The Spirit here is the Holy Spirit descending down from out of heaven. It's a Jesus baptism and uh, like a dove he came to Christ And in verse 33, John said, and I knew him not. Didn't realize who he really was, even though they were related. He did not realize he was the great Messiah. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. The first mention of the Spirit the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, as Genesis 1 and 2, the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit of God moved. Many translations, if not most, said that he brooded upon the water like a bird. He brooded upon the water. The first mention of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is portrayed, presented as a dove, and it's my text. And, uh, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Almost 50 times the dove of heaven is mentioned in divine writ. The Holy Spirit is portrayed different ways, from different angles, all throughout the divine Word of God. He's portrayed as an oil, so you can get a glimpse of all the totality of the Holy Spirit. There's something about oil that makes things run smooth. Dad, as a boy growing up, when he'd be working on something, he'd get the oil can, and and you'd hear the chatter and hear the rattle and and grinding, and he'd begin to oil all these parts, and pretty soon it smoothed out and became quiet, and it ran very well. The oil of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God comes into our home, things run a lot smoother. When it comes upon a church, the church operates more like a family than than just an organization. It's smoother. He's portrayed as a wind, the wind of heaven. There at the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty rushing wind that filled all of the house. I don't know your prayer, but mine is that God would let a wind blow and blow from heaven across this sanctuary this morning. He's also portrayed as a fire that cleanseth. But in my, in my emphasis this morning, I want to deal with the dove, the dove of heaven. And that's the way he's portrayed here in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Now why, why a dove? It's a sign of the Holy Spirit you would not realize if he didn't see that he's portrayed as a dove. Many different traits of a dove. F- fact of the matter, let me just mention some. The dove is not a combative creature. He's not combative. He doesn't want to fight. And the Holy Spirit produces a lamb-like and a dove-like 
nature in us. All the fight, the secret revenge is all taken out because that's what the Holy Spirit's all about. And a second thing, a dove has central vision, not what we call uh, peripheral vision. He doesn't just always look in this way and that way, but he's looking ahead and he's not distracted by, by things. The dove are not territorial. They, they will move rather than be challenged and have a fight. Now, every, every, every year, the, there's a pair of doves that come to our house. And right outside our bedroom door, you can see these doves and they begin to try to make a a nest every year. I always thank God when I see those two doves come and they follow each other around like they're in love and there's a, a knitness and a closeness between them. And they'll begin to try to build a little nest in a very small little pine type of a tree. Then a, every year, a big old blue jay comes and he'll begin to run them off. And the robins will come and begin to fight over that nest until finally, rather than be combative, and rather than be territorial, they'll quietly fly away and they'll make their nest in a big tree between my house and Dr. Johnson's. Another thing about a dove, it has a purity about it. The only bird permitted for sacrifice in the Old Testament was a dove. Those that had money could bring a bullock or they could bring a lamb. But if you were very poor and you could not afford a lamb, you would not be left out. You could hunt down and find a, a dove and bring that dove in. And for sins that you've committed, you could offer that dove, pure dove. Then also about a dove, they're a monogamous bird. They, they mate for life. There's a loyalty that exists between them. It said that a dove has no gall. There's no gallbladder. And there's something about the Holy Spirit. There's no bitterness about the Spirit of God. No ill will, no unforgiveness, no uncharitableness, no inordinate affection or unholy ambition. There's no gall. And some naturalists say that's why they have such a sweet disposition. But the thing that I really like that stood out to me is the homing instinct of a dove. They can be released and fly literally hundreds of miles. They know their way back to home. And if the dove of heaven is in your heart, he's honing in on the heaven and trying to find us and get us through the heaven's door. Thank God for that leadership of the Holy Spirit, the dove of heaven. D.L. Moody said, you might as well try to see without eyes and hear without ears and breathe without lungs as to try to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. R.T. Kendall told the story of a missionary couple from Britain. They were a team, wife and husband. And they had gone to Israel to minister among the Jews. After they'd moved into their house, they noticed a dove had come and had built a nest and was living in the eve of that house. But as they watched that dove, they, they were amazed to find that every time the door would slam harshly, and every time they would get into an intense argument with each other, that dove would be disturbed and distracted and would fly away and sit on a wire and look back at the house with a troubled look. 
Till one day the wife said to the husband, she said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that that dove may leave and never return and never come back. Then she made this statement. She said, either we need to adjust to that dove or that dove's going to adjust to us. Either we adjust to the dove or the dove will adjust to us. And I want you to notice something. When Jesus was baptized, all four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, said that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. In Luke 3, 22, it mentions that he descended in a bodily shape like a dove. Now, you remember the story of Noah and the ark. And once God shut the door and the animals and the families were on the ark, that for 370 days that ark floated. On the 264th day, Noah opened the window and sent a dove out to find whether or not the flood had finally ceased and the waters had receded. Actually, he sent it out three times. Somebody said he sent it out for God the Father and then another for God the Son and another God the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I know he sent it out three times. And when the dove returned, it returned with something in its beak. It came back with an olive branch. Now, if you give somebody an olive branch, you're saying, I want to make peace. I want to make peace. The scripture says that the dove is how you have peace in your life. If you're here this morning and you don't have the peace of God, may I say that the Holy Spirit, like a dove, is here. And he's sharing with you the olive branch. Let's make peace. Don't be at odds with God. Don't be displeasing God. The Holy Spirit is bringing and offering an olive branch. That missionary couple received... That sign, as a sign, this was goodwill, and perhaps God's showing us that we're in the right place. And then when that dove began to leave, they said, we need to be careful. Now, I want to point out something. The Scripture says the dove is how you have what we call the Spirit of God in our lives. Notice it said, it ascended like a dove, but it remained on Jesus. I want you to get that. The Spirit did not just come, but He came to remain on Him. And I'm trying to say to you, it's not just enough to have the Holy Spirit in your life. We don't want to lose the Spirit's what I'm trying to say. Psalmist David in the 51st Psalm, verse 10, he said, Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit. Don't want to lose the Spirit of God. Now, I want to make three statements, and I want you to listen closely. I believe it's important. First of all, we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. I'm not talking about the fullness of the Spirit. I'm not talking about Him getting all of us. I'm simply saying He comes into our life, convicts us of our sins, and He's a part of the conversion. And He said, Be ye not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. There must be the Spirit in our salvation. The second thing I want to say, the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Remember, the Bible said he descended like a, a dove. And I don't know what you know about doves, but they are totally different than, than pigeons. 
Now let me tell you about the dove. They never fight. Let me tell you about the dove. They're never aggressive. Let me tell you about the dove. They're, they're never seeking attention. They're always quieted in the background. And let me tell you about the dove. They're very peaceful. And let me say to you about the Holy Spirit. He's like a dove. He's sensitive. That word gentleman refers to the fact somebody is gentle. And he's gentle. He's not going to force himself. Somebody said, well, he needs to get over it. No, he'll never get over being sensitive. You and I may be coarse. We may be crude. We may be rude. We may get hard, but the Holy Spirit is always sensitive. And if he's in you, he'll help you to become sensitive to others. The third thing I want to say, the Holy Spirit can be saddened. Now, the King James rendition simply says grieved. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what does it mean to grieve? It means feelings can be hurt. It means you can be deeply saddened. And now listen real close. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside you and lives within. And uh, if you're a Christian, I don't know, maybe I'll ask the question, how many of you have done something that wasn't pleasing to God, and as soon as you did it, you realized you had grieved the Holy Spirit. Can I see your hand? You knew you did the wrong thing that was displeasing. May I say to you, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, I'll be with you and shall be in you. And when you grieve the Spirit, guess what? The entire Godhead will react when you grieve His Spirit. It is said in 1 Samuel 16, 14, that Saul had grieved God, and it, and it reads, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit came and tormented him. It grieved away that Holy Spirit. Now, you're saying, preacher, why, why would I grieve him? Because he's displeased with some things that could come into our life. And he's not going to hang around if we are not welcoming him. Now, let me tell you about an ungrieved life. An ungrieved life is found in that little book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. It's not wrong to live an ungrieved life. As long as you've got love and joy and peace and, and that kind of an attitude, we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I need the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to show me, to help me, to comfort me. I need Him. And I need you to understand this morning the Holy Spirit, not like an oil, not like the wind, not like the fire, but as a dove, can be grieved. And you can grieve the Spirit. You can grieve that dove until it can fly away. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that we can grieve. And you say, well, if we cause the Holy Spirit to fly away, the dove of heaven, what is it that would cause that? And I want to point out four things found right there in this particular chapter and I want you to see, and one thing that causes the dove to fly away is morality. I'm talking about Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. And our morals have more to do 
with our Christian life than you'll ever dream. Samson, with all the favor that he had from God and all that power and strength when the Spirit would come upon him, thought he could never lose the Spirit. But he was immoral and laid in the lap of a harlot. And the Bible said he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. He didn't realize it. Now I want to give you a little story. It's, there may be some humor. I'm not trying to be humorous, though, okay? You don't even need to respond in any sort of humor. Man was driving down the highway out west. And he saw a sign that said dog for sale. His kids had been wanting a dog, so he thought he would check it out. He pulled into the drive, rang the doorbell. And he said to the man, the sign said, you've got a dog for sale. He said, I do. It's in the backyard. Go around the house through the gate and you'll meet the dog. Said the interesting thing about the dog, he can talk. So the man went around the house and met the dog. And it was a Labrador retriever, beautiful dog. And he said to that dog, said, uh, what have you done in your life? And the dog responded, said, well, I helped in the Alps. I, I rescued avalanche victims. He said, I also helped in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Nowadays, he said, I read to the convalescents down there in the nursing home. And he thought, what an amazing dog. So he went and rang the doorbell again. And he said to the man, how much you want for your dog? He said, $10. He said, $10, a talking dog that, that's served in the Alps and in the war and, and reads to people down in the nursing home. Why are you only selling him for $10? He said, because he's a liar. He's never been to any of those places. And what I'm trying to say, listen closely. While we're not a dog, we can get on the phone and, you know, we, we say, you know, Hey, I'm almost there. No, you're not. You just left the other place. Wasn't true at all. You say, well, I, I didn't mean to drop you on the phone. No, you did. You hung up on them. Or it's so good to see you. Well, you told others you didn't like that person. Kind of like a lying dog. It's kind of like saying, you know, hey, I... I calling in because I'm sick this morning. And you're not sick at all. You're just taking off. It's kind of like saying, hey, I remember you and you don't have a clue who that person is. It's kind of like saying to our married partner, I'm fine. And you're not. And what I'm trying to say to you when we lie, when we displease God with our conversations and all of that, it causes the dove to lift off. He doesn't want to remain around us when we're not honorable and living in integrity. Here's the second thing that will make the dove fly away, not only morality, but money. Now, in verse 30, he said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Back up to verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying any able-bodied man, listen to me, men. If you're able-bodied and you're not lazy, then get to work. You don't need to live off the government. If you've got health, you need to get to work. Don't expect to tell me that you've got the Holy Spirit, the dove of heaven in your life, and you're nothing but a lazy, you fill out the rest of the, you're right, you get a free trip to Hawaii now. 
Are you listening to me? He goes right on to say, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. A dollar bill is the best yardstick for measuring the character of an individual. And when God speaks to us about giving, how we respond to that determines whether the dove remains around or is grieved and flies off. Here's a third way we can grieve the dove of heaven. It's with our mouth, our mouth. Maybe I ought to read to you a little bit about that. I will in just a moment. But the best way to communicate is not to make yourself the hero of every story. Some people, when you talk to them, they've been the bride in every wedding and the corpse in every funeral. It's always about them. And I'm just simply saying, be careful what you say. Jim Cimbala, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, said we can have a revival in America if the people inside the church will get their mouth committed to Jesus. When people are down, don't take them down farther. Lift them up. Don't berate them. And in verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And in verse 29, Let not corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I'll give you a last one, and that's moods. He said here in verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. When you're angry and you're, you're vengeful and you're carrying a grudge and, and people don't want to be around you, do you think the dove of heaven wants to be around you either? He'll leave too. Verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. To get the fullness of God in our lives, he's saying, you got to let some things go. Ray LaSalle, you're letting a little bitterness get in, and you need to deal with that. Ray LaSalle, you're letting unforgiveness get into your attitude, and you need to work your way through it. You know, you can be a pastor and have a squabble with your companion. You didn't know that, did you? You see, when you got a companion, they're hard to live with. You, you, never, you never had a problem with your companion? What a crowd. Is this radio? I don't seem to see anybody. And uh, I've had to get on the phone personally and call and say, this is Ray, Ray LaSalle. And I'm sorry. And I've had Jan, both Jans. I've had them say, well, it wasn't all your fault. Would have been nice if they'd said it's not any of your fault, but, but they didn't. And you know, I couldn't get a sermon thought or anything else, but when I made apology and created a right atmosphere, suddenly the sermon ideas began to come and flow like a river. What was it? The dove was grieved and left. And when I made apologies, the atmosphere was cleared up. Now look at the scripture. It's talking about Stephen. And when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart, began to gnash on him with their teeth. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly in heaven and saw the glory of God 
and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That's Acts chapter 7. Stephen was the first martyr of the early church. And as he's dying, now here's God on the throne, and here's Jesus Christ seated, the Bible said, right next to him on his right hand. Suddenly Jesus stands, and he says to the Father, he's dying, and he's dying full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give him a standing ovation. I'm not sure I'd get one, but he did. And I love what verse 60 says, that Stephen knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He didn't hold any grudge. Let it go. You can't do that unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't do it on my own, and you can't either. Now, the awful depression was on. I'm from Indiana. And down in southern Indiana, down in the hill country, small farms, and during the depression, people were struggling to make it. Food was hard to come by. People were living hand to mouth. Jobs had dried up. People couldn't get seed to run their farms. People were losing their farms to the bank and the government because they couldn't even pay taxes on a farm they already totally had paid off. Tough times. And on that small farm lived a little lady with six boys. Boys that had hungers and boys that were hungry. One evening she called her boys in and seated them around the living room and and in the coral oil lamp with just that little bit of light, she said to him, Kids, Mama doesn't have enough food for tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to eat tomorrow. But you know your dog, old Shep? We don't have enough food to feed Shep anymore. We're going to have to get rid of your dog. They said, Who's going to get the dog? She said, Nobody's going to want a dog. Nobody else has any food either. But tomorrow, you've got to drive that dog away. We can't feed him. And they laid awake that night crying, thinking about old Shep. That old dog had swam in the swimming hole with them, played and wrestled with them out in the front yard, laid at their feet when they were sitting around the front porch talking. He guarded the place at night and ran off intruders and kept away snakes, and he was like family. And when they got up the next morning, no breakfast, no food, Mama said, you've got to get rid of old Shep now. And they said, Mama, we don't want to. She said, we don't have any choice. And they said, we walked out crying and began to pick up rocks, begin to throw them at old Shep and say, you need to go. We have no food. You can't stay here anymore. And the dog had a puzzled look and tried to wag its tail, but began to get hit and pelted with those stones begin to whine and begin to back away and finally rolled over on its back and put its paws up as if to say, I surrender. But they kept throwing the stones. Finally, it ran a little way and turned around and looked at them and they ran toward it and throwing more stones, tucking its tail between its back legs, drooping its head. It headed a little farther up the road and turned and started to try to come back only to be met with a hail of stones. Till finally... It disappeared around the bend in the old gravel road. It disappeared. A day went by, a week went by, a month went by, no old Shep anymore. Things got a little better. 
One morning when they got up and walked out on the porch, there stood old Shep out there on the gravel road looking toward the house. They ran out toward him. His tail did not wag. His head was drooped. He just looked at him. They began to call him and he wouldn't come. They ran toward him and he ran away and turned around and watched them. And finally, old Shep turned and started up the road and disappeared and never returned, never came back. And how many times they'd throw on the rocks at him. And I thought, how many times has the Spirit of God dealt with many of our hearts? And we said no. And we let the door remain closed. Suppose I came to your house this winter. Suppose my heat had gone out and I couldn't pay my bills and times were tough for the pastor. We've been friends and I knock on your door and I can hear you on the inside, but nobody's opening the door. And I, I ring the doorbell and I, I hear it from the outside. I can hear it ringing. I can hear voices on the inside and I know you're home. And I wonder why. Why won't they let me in? Why, why don't they want me anymore? What did I do? And finally, I slip to a window and peek in, and I can see you in there in the lights. I see you. I know you're there. I can hear you, and you don't respond. And I knock on the door, and I say, this is the pastor, and I'm cold, and the wind is chilly, and my coat is thin, and will you let me in? And stand there for a number of minutes, banging on the door, begging to be allowed in, and you don't allow me in. And finally, I leave. How many times has the Holy Spirit come to our hearts, talked to us about things, urged us to open the door of our lives to him and let him in, and we kept him on the outside and on the outskirts. We had our sins, and we had our involvements, and we weren't interested. The sweet dove of heaven, like old Shep, turns and flies away into the distance. Maybe, maybe never to return. I don't know how much you know about doves, but there is a dove called the bleeding heart dove. Right in the center of its chest, it's red like blood, and it looks like it's dripping down. I looked at the picture of that dove. I've never seen one in person, but I looked at the picture on the Internet, and I couldn't believe it. I thought... I wonder what God was thinking when he designed that bird on that creation morning, the dove of heaven, a dove with a bleeding heart, broken heart. Now I'm saying to you this morning, the dove of heaven's here, and he's offering you an olive branch that you can make peace with God. And if you're not where you ought to be spiritually this morning, something on the inside says, God's here. The dove of heaven's here, and he's speaking to hearts across this auditorium. And if he's speaking to you this morning, may I urge you, don't tell him to leave. Don't tell him you're not ready. It's time to open up our heart and let him in this morning. Father, thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.